They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. You say yes, I say no, you say stop, but I say go, go, go. Oh, now, you say goodbye, and I say hello. Hello, hello. I don't know why you say goodbye. I, I say hello. 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 Welcome, everybody. Governor. Thank you so much for joining us on Thoughts That Rock. It is the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice, and we try and do that in about 30 minutes. Yeah, listen, we know how busy you are. Life gets in the way. You're looking for those chicken McNuggets of wisdom, like we like to Mm -hmm. say. You just want to amp up your life a little bit. We understand that. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing right now. Maybe you are... You know, starting a fire with a loved one, or maybe you're scrapbooking with grandma, or uh, I don't know, maybe you're eating some Dunkin' Donuts on a stakeout. Uh, It doesn't really matter. We just want to be the 30 minutes that you look forward to each and every week. And I think most of our listeners know, Brant, that Thoughts at Rock helps support Cannibal Kids Cancer. They probably know that, right? I would hope so. CKC is fantastic. They're a great nonprofit. They focus on providing options to kids with cancer who've been told that they have run out of options. And then what Cannibal does is they help identify innovative options and they provide the funding necessary. The big part of that is getting the money for that treatment. And they basically provide hope to the hopeless. And because of that, we just think they're awesome. Yeah, they're fantastic. Just a quick reminder, if you're listening to this podcast, whatever format that you're using, if you like it, let us know. Would you leave us a star rating or maybe write some words? Show us that you actually care. Take that extra five seconds to write this is good. I don't care. Whatever you want to write. Wow, we're into guilting people now. That's right. As long as it's five stars and it says something like life-changing, it's acceptable. <laughs> Anything other than that, just keep it to yourself. Yes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so listen, whatever we need to do to sort of get you in the mood, mm-hmm. you know how it works around here. I know exactly There's how There's nothing it works. like a little wah-wah guitar, some Barry White in the background, Little glass of Cavassier. Hello, goodbye. (laughs) You know what time it is. I do. It's It's business time. All right. Our guest today is someone that I have known for about seven or eight years now and is one of the most influential people in the country, certainly in the restaurant industry. And I'm talking about Don Sweeney the president and CEO of the National Restaurant Association. So first off, Don, thank you so much for being on Thoughts That Rock. I'm so happy to be here, Jim. I'm a huge fan of your podcast, and it's a thrill to be to be with you today. Oh, that's awesome. That's great to hear. We're actually the one that's honored to, to have you on. We're going to cut that out, and we're going to play that over and over and over again. That that's Don her whole interview. loves our podcast. <laughs> she doesn't need to say anything one else. One of the most powerful women in the world will take that. <laughs> and scene. We're and done. And scene. Done. We're, we're finished. Five stars. Actually, Brand, I actually have to say the entire 
introduction of the National Restaurant Association, because if I say the NRA, a lot of our fans are going to think it's it's the right other on. NRA. The other so. NRA. Yeah, we say buns, not guns here. So, <laughs> so, so Don. I want a shirt. <laughs> if that says that. Yes. Um, the, you know, the National Restaurant Association is obviously the trade association for the nation's 863 billion. That's with the B brand. You know, they, they represent the restaurant food service industry and they represent something like 15 million people. Is that right, Don? 15 million employees. That's right. <sighs> Crazy. And, and she's running point on all that. That's how important. I love that. Um, you can obviously see Don's full bio in the show notes, but just a couple couple cool highlights that I thought would be pretty cool. Before she joined the NRA in 2007, she was president of AARP Services, which is the taxable business side of AARP, and she's responsible for all the revenue growth and new product development and membership, and it had like 40 million something strong members. You've gotten you've gotten some of those, right, Jim? I, I have. Yes, I have. That's. <laughs> Not really that funny. The The other thing that I love about uh, Dawn's background, she was the VP of marketing for the uh, International Dairy Foods Association, where she launched the uh, Milk Mustache advertising campaign. Got milk? That's insane to me. That's Dawn. Dawn, that's amazing. We, we that's sh- Dawn 25 years ago. That's a 25-year-old story right there. Wow. That's all right. That's all right. You get to hold on to that forever. That's a legacy right Thank there. You. You all kidding right, me? I will. <laughs> we, we should have done the whole show with Milk Mustache. We should have. In honor. In honor exactly. of Don. Don, we're so thrilled that you're here to uh, share some wisdom. So, again, th- thanks a lot for, for being on the show. And as you can probably tell from listening again to uh, to the podcast, you know, versus that traditional interview style where they might talk about your whole background and, and what got you to where you are. Again, people can read that in the show notes. We we want to jump right to your your awesome thought, the, the great piece of advice. So we're just going to leave the floor open to you. Don, what is your thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock, number one. So I just love the idea that you ask for a single point of view, a single idea, and we all have hundreds, but if you ask me to the one thing that's made the biggest difference to me in my own leadership um, style and my approach to my work, it really is this concept of life as a juggling act and the vital importance that as the juggler, each of us are able to discern between the glass balls and the rubber balls yeah. mm-hmm. that we are juggling. I heard this several years ago, and I wish I could give proper uh, credit to the person who told it to me, but I honestly, I just, I have lost that. I don't, oh, that's what it was. It may have been, <laughs> it, was, it, was. it was probably me. <laughs> it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant person. Thank it very you. well could have been you. <laughs> um, but the, the idea really is that some things, if we drop them in, a, in the course of our daily juggling act, they're rubber balls. They'll bounce. We can pick them up on the next rotation, the next time we pass by. But other balls are glass. And if we drop those, they will shatter. Yeah. And those are the ones we cannot allow to drop. And the, jo- the job of the juggler, or in this case, each of us as leaders, is to be able to discern between the glass and the rubber ball. And, and how has that manifest in your role and your responsibilities, especially working with these big associations? So honestly, I have had a sense of this for years, but it really has become much more crystallized for me in my time in the restaurant industry because I have learned uh, that in the restaurant industry, relationships are everything. 
Yeah. In part, I think, because of our hospitality uh, genes that we all uh, bring to the fore when we when we work in this business. Uh, I didn't have the benefit of working in the restaurant industry for the first part of my career. I can't imagine uh, that I ever would have done anything different if I found the restaurant industry sooner. I love the restaurant industry. And I, as soon as I found it 12 years ago, it, there was no question this is where I was going to spend the rest of my career, in part because of that importance of relationships. And if you're the kind of person who values relationships, interpersonal as well as uh, you know business and professional relationships, I think there's no greater industry for you. And yeah. I have found in my own work that taking the extra time to think through how is this going to impact each individual who's in this chain of decision-making. Those are the glass balls for me. I think that's incredibly insightful. And, you know, one of the things that I, that when you sent the thought to us, Don, that I really resonated with was, you know, in some of the leadership development training uh, that Jim and I do together, when we sit people down, we try to get them to sort of, separate for themselves their non-negotiables from things that are really important to them. And if you just allow them sort of on their own free will to go and do it, when we ask people, we, we, we would give them a, a, you know, say a sheet of 120 things, uh, values that they can look at. And we tell them to circle anything that is really important to them. And they'll circle 30, 40, 50 words. And, and what happens is what we always like to joke about is we say, you know, if you've circled more than 30 words, go ahead and raise your hand and 95% of the room raises their hand. Always. Yeah. And, you know, we, we then ask, well, how does crippling anxiety and depression feel? Because this is, <laughs> this is what you've set yourself up for. Right. And it, and it really harkens to your thought, which is if you are treating everything like a glass ball you're going to be in some trouble as a leader to try to give everything it's due and focus everything that you're trying to not, not understanding that there are some things that might be important, but they're not a non-negotiable. Right. And I think that that is one of the most important things in leadership is finding out what are those glass balls? What are the, what are the things that you absolutely cannot let drop no matter what because if you treated everything that way, you'd pull the hair out of your head. It would be, you'd, you'd look like Jim's haircut right, here, right? right? I mean, everything would be standing straight <laughs> up all the time. Exactly. I, I think that's an excellent point. And I do think earlier in our careers, for many of us, we have difficulty being able to, to discern, as you say, you know, yeah. you have 30 or 40 things, you think they're all equally important, you're trying to make sure and you will go right out of your, you know, imagine the juggler just that just can't handle all the <laughs> balls, right. they're all going to drop and then nothing is important because the glass ones shatter, the rubber ones go off in 20 different directions and you're out of you're out of business, you know. Um, so I do think uh, the other thing that I have learned just in a further differentiation of the rubber balls. Some of them are rubber balls like tennis balls, and some of them are rubber balls like super balls. Mm. You know, like they'll come right back to you. And those are the ones you don't have to worry. That, that'll be coming right back to you. If you miss it on the first round, you'll catch it on the next one. Yeah. The tennis balls you have to be a little more careful with because they may not come back quite as easily or readily. But it's the glass ones when they shatter, you are devastated. Yeah. And, and your ability to execute has been severely compromised. And I think it's different for everyone, those glass balls. You know, for me, it's relationships. There are many other things, obviously, you know, certain uh, responsibilities that I have, both professionally and personally, that I consider to be glass balls. We all have our own definition. But I think the, just in the construct of the juggler, if you think, you know, there really can't be more, you know, than five or six of those big ones. 
or you're going to drop something. Have, have you been able to take, obviously this is, this is a leadership philosophy that has worked really well for you and, and catapulted you to the top uh, of your industry. Have you been able to transition that into your personal life? Absolutely. Uh, very definitely. I've had uh, very many. Uh, and funny, because you'd want to say, you know, family is a glass ball. You, you know, makes sense. Yeah. But it's actually not the entirety of family necessarily yeah, at right. any different point in life. It's different, different people and different things that need your attention. And so I think, again, these things change as your life stages change when you're a young parent or a parent of a young child or, or, or you're, you know, a caretaker of a, of a, of a parent of your own, of yourselves uh, or your own parent, uh, or you're dealing with, you know, issues in your family of whatever type of magnitude, I think those glass balls shift. So it's not like family's the glass ball, but it's this particular relationship at this particular moment in time that is in need of your attention. Yeah. That's the glass ball. Yes. And, you know, your brother, that ball might just bounce right back to you. If you have to That's let him right. go by for a week and you can't <laughs> focus on that, that'll bounce back. You know yeah. it will. Um, but your mother may not or vice versa, you know? Sure. I'm so glad you said that too, because I, I obviously looked at this probably more because of your role as, as professional, but you know, when you're talking about relationships in your personal life, I have a close friend who recently just lost a parent to cancer and she had been with her parents and siblings on a family reunion, probably, uh, you know, a week before, you know, the, the, um, you know, she lost her, her dad, but was called back literally across the country to be back again with their father at the end of his life. And, and all in, I think everybody was probably around him at the very end, probably for a full three weeks. And of course, everybody was freaking out because it started school and, and how many days of work was I missing? And, you know, I'm missing garbage days and, and late fees on bills and whatever. And when you think about it, it's th those are all the rubber balls, right? They're small things compared obviously to the important days that were spent with, her father and, and, you know, the family during his last days. And so it, it reminds me of that, uh, you know, the book of don't sweat the small stuff. And a lot of it really is small stuff. And when people sort of think in those mindset, like, like, uh, you know, I was a licensed facilitator for Stephen Covey for a while when we did the seven habits of highly effective people, we did that at hard rock. And one of the best exercises ever were, thinking about putting first things first. And it was about these big rocks versus small rocks. And if you schedule in not just the professional, but the personal things that are in fact, these glass balls, you do not want them to drop the, all this other stuff. It's small little rocks. If you never even get to them, what difference does it make? So I, I'm thankful that, you know, you're, you definitely are, are putting that mindset in both your professional and personal life. So I, I think that works well for people that want to stay positive and effective in both areas. So I, if I could just build on that point, I think uh, two things that occur to me as you say that one of the things that has really um, been a governor in my own life is a, a different Stephen Covey book, although that one you mentioned is, the, is definitely the, the most well-known and, and made a huge impact on all of our careers, I think, when it came out years ago. The one that I really um, have resonated with in the last decade or so is one called The Speed of Trust yep. mm -hmm. that was written by Stephen Covey's son. Yep. And uh, I actually have, I bet I've bought 200 copies of that book over the course of my career at the National Restaurant Association and handed it out to different people um, with whom I am building and trying to improve relationships in the industry and uh, among you know, uh, the broad uh, ecosystem of our industry uh, generally, because I do think the elements of that book that talks about how much more quickly and impactful 
or how much more quickly things can be done and how much more impactful we can be as individuals when we have trusting relationships. That's number one. Uh, the second thing I would like to say, just to build on your point, which I thought is a great example of, of your friend, as you mentioned, there are times when it, it, we may not ourselves be able to discern between the glass and rubber balls, but yeah. if we are surrounded by people who can see them, um, they can help us. And I had a very personal experience, very much like the friend you just described, um, where my mother was literally dying the week before the restaurant show. Oh, no. In 2011. Wow. In 2011, wow. uh, she was, it, it turned out, two weeks away from dying. And not that we knew that, but that ended up being the case. And I said to my current chair at the time, who was Sally Smith, everybody remembers Sally yeah. Smith mm -hmm. from Buffalo Wild Wings. I said, I'll be coming to the show, but I'm going to be trying to get in and out and I'll be there for about 18 hours for the board meeting and this one thing. And then I'm going to come back because my mother is, is, is dying. And Sally said, you will not come to the show and you will not come to the board meeting. You will stay there with your mother. And we will handle this. And Sally, I still to this day don't know how she did it, fulfilled her role as chair of the board and fulfilled my role as CEO wow. all by herself over a multi-day period while I stayed at my mother's bedside. Wow. I would have regretted that for the rest of my life. You would have. I yeah. was not clear in my own mind at that time enough to know that that was the right decision. Sally was. And she just said, this is the way it's going to be. And I said, okay. And thank God she did. And thank God I did. And now I have no regrets uh, other than I'm grateful beyond measure to her for being able to see that and discern that for me at a time when I literally couldn't do it for myself. Such a I, I knew I had to be there. I knew I had to be there, but I was trying to do everything. I was trying to you know, run over here to Chicago for a couple of days and come back to DC and try to make it all work. And she saw the difference and I am forever grateful. And that to me is, you know, it, if you can't see it yourself, which obviously we all try to do that for ourselves, but there are times when it's complicated enough and, and you feel a sense of responsibility on multiple, um, multiple dimensions to be surrounded with or be in the company of someone who can discern. If you can't, that turns out to be just as good. It's a rock star like Sally. Yeah, yeah. she's awesome. It comes down to, re to really that speed of trust, right? You had to trust that she was capable of being able to do At all this. Oh, and there was never any question about that. That's exactly right. And I, and I trusted her. Uh, beyond measure to know that she knew in this case, you know, what was right for me better than I did. And I'm, again, I'm eternally grateful. That's a moment that you can't do over. You yeah. know, that's a shattered glass ball that would have been on the ground for the rest of my life. And so uh, that's a, kind of an extreme example, but I think it's important just to, to note, you know, that we all try to do that for ourselves, but if you can't do it for yourself, it's almost just as good to be with somebody who can do it and help you do it while That's you're, right. while you're building that scale, which I still was at the time in 2011. Don, I'm curious, have you found as, as you've sort of gotten, you know, older and more experienced in what you're trying to do in, in this discernment, obviously of what's, what, what are the glass balls and what are the things that will bounce? Has there been anything that's really surprised you about maybe w what you thought the glass balls would be and what they've actually turned out to be? Have you been sort of like, gosh, I would have thought this is something that really was a glass ball and in fact it's not? That's a really good question. I think that I've been more surprised, maybe it's just a variation of the same thing, but I think I've been surprised more by, more by things that have bounced that I would have thought would have shattered. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And, and I dropped them thinking I was trying to keep them from shattering, and they actually didn't shatter. They bounced. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because of that trusting, and maybe it goes back then to the, the relationship piece of it, that if you build those relationships and then you make a mistake, you know, you have a strong relationship, you have something that you consider to be a glass ball, whether it's in my case, you know, my relationship with the chair of the board or, um, you know, an important member CEO or a um, big entrepreneur in a certain, you know, part of the industry or whatever the case is. If you have that strong relationship, you Maybe the glass ball, when you drop it or you think it's glass and it doesn't shatter, that just reminds you that maybe you've built enough equity in that relationship yeah. that there's a willingness to forgive a mistake, which is uh, we, of course, all make and uh, help each other with. But I, but I do think the things that you think are glass are pretty much always glass. And when they drop, you're, it confirms it. Yep, that thing was glass and I just dropped it. Um, and then and you can't, and then you got to go back and it takes a lot longer to repair those shattered relationships, obviously, than it does to just kind of catch them in the first place and treat them for what they are. I, I think that's, first of all, that's so brilliant. You're right. That, that, I think we all sort of know which what are glass as opposed to what are going to bounce. But it's it's interesting to me to think through gosh, you know, as I've gotten older and you know you you start leading teams, you start leading organizations, you start leading associations and you go from a few people to dozens to hundreds to thousands to millions. Um you, you if you don't do this how do you stay sane? I, I, I don't understand how you could be an effective leader. I think that the, the leaders I've been most impressed with in the course of my life have always had a sense of calmness about them. Um, mm-hmm. Where when when there was a hurricane happening in the, in the business, um, they were sort of like, like you interrupted them from out of their lounge chair, sipping a coconut drink out of a, out of a, you know, out of a coconut. Uh, and it's like, Oh, well, it's going to be okay. And and I think that has to come with this level of discernment of knowing, you know, what are the things that are truly breakable and could really affect the business as opposed to getting emotionally involved maybe and, and putting things onto these smaller things, at least these emotions attached to them that, really shouldn't be there. And they're really just distracting you from keeping things together. I think your point about, you know, more experience, getting older, having, you know, worked in different environments and being exposed to different leaders also is an important one. And I've just always tried and I continue to try to be the kind of leader that I would like to work for, Mm. Uh, you know, and to just, and, and we've all had experiences where we've worked for people who are incredibly, as you say, calming and, and inspiring and, and wonderful to be around. And then we've, uh, most of us have had an experience somewhere along the way of working for someone who may not exhibit all those qualities. And, you know, if we just keep trying every day to be a little bit better than we were the day before, uh, to try to um, admit when we've made a mistake. And that to me is kind of the biggest thing when the glass balls shatter and it will, and they do, the faster you can say, look at that. I just broke a glass ball let me try to sweep it up and let me explain what went wrong and let me take the responsibility for dropping that. Yeah. I think that is the, the only antidote to being able to deal with the broken ball is to be able to say, I broke it. It was my mistake. Let me try to make it right. 
Yeah. And yeah. I think the faster that each of us are able to do that, and that takes experience and practice too, because sometimes you just want to turn about your back and say, okay, there's <laughs> something broken on the floor, but I'm going to try to pretend I don't see it. <laughs> Maybe somebody will sweep it up when I'm not looking. <laughs> That's it's never going to get swept up. You got to sweep it up yourself and you got to claim it. And you, and I think that does make a difference. And we all learn in most people are forgiving. You know, yeah. most people are willing to say, you know, hey, we all make mistakes and uh, and I forgive you and let's give it another try. But what people aren't as comfortable with is when we try to ignore that we've made a mistake sure. and, or blame it on someone else or, or that kind of thing. That doesn't necessarily go over quite as well. Don, I, I have uh, made it 26 years of marriage by ignoring those things on the ground <laughs> that I didn't know. <laughs> I, 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 well, what are you talking about? I didn't see that. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. This is an intervention, actually. We called Don to have a conversation with you, Brant. How do you not That's see hilarious. this that needs to be swept up? It's right in front of your yes. face. Oh, I didn't see that there. Oh. That's hilarious. Hey, whatever works, right? That's right. I, you know, Don, I think of you as the ultimate juggler as well. I, I can't imagine all the things that come your way and you've got to filter through all that and figure out. I mean, on the personal side, you can easily do that. But the amount of people, not just that you represent and you advocate so well for the industry and Brian, I've known her, I guess, like I said, a, a little bit under a decade. And whether it's on stage or in person, I've never seen Don mad. You, the point that you made earlier, she's not, I think, uh, emotional. You never see her fly off the handle. I think there's some measuredness that comes with, with your responsibilities, Don, And just, I, I think you do a fantastic job and you represent the industry that I grew up in so well. So, you know, kudos you. to you. Thank but you. Um, I'm sure you Thank get you. mad from time to time, but we haven't seen it. If you'd like That's to do that right here now, let's, let's, <laughs> no, try, let's, t- <laughs> I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong. You, nope. you don't want to try it, Brant? You don't no, want to try and piss I her was, off? I was going to try to just push her over the edge and maybe get one last hurrah before she rides off into the sunset. Right. Yeah. That would be awesome. Well, this is probably a perfect time then to sort of tag on to your thought, Don, but, uh, you know, we hopefully came up with a really cool quote, a, a good thought that'll accompany and maybe complement yours. So Brant, what is our thought that rocks? Thoughts that rock number two. So our thought that rocks this week comes from the Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu. And it's this. If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. I When I found this quote, I have to tell you that it's um, it, it spoke to me so deeply from a leadership perspective. And one of the things that I've probably been the biggest lessons I've learned in the last, say, five years is, the, is just the power of being present um, in everything you do. Yeah. Uh, it was years, yeah, a few years ago uh, in a conversation with my wife that we were talking about me and and being gone a lot and and speaking and sort cleaning of up some shattered balls cleaning up shattered balls at least in the closets of the house um and for me it was this scenario of i said to her you know the only time i feel 100% present is when i'm on stage hmm. and she looked at me and she said you're right and that's a problem <laughs> um <laughs> and she was right uh, you know, the, the interesting thing for me is 
the more that I work with leaders, the more that I work with teams, what I find is that they're either con- they're concerned about what happened yesterday or last week or last month or last year, or they're trying to predict what's going to happen tomorrow, next month, hitting the numbers for 2020 or whatever that's going to look like. And they are rarely in the present. Mm-hmm. They don't appreciate where they're at. It's why every talk I give now, I, I take a moment up front to make sure people stop thinking about what they were doing prior to this talk and don't worry about what you're going to have for lunch or whatever happens after I'm done talking. I need you here with me now because when you're present, that's where the answers come. Answers come in the present. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. And if you're not present, you might miss those answers that you seek. And, and I would imagine if you are trying to juggle things like you've been talking about, Don, um, the importance of being present uh, is crucial to not have these balls drop. Is that something you'd agree with? This is absolutely brilliant to me. This quote is absolutely brilliant. It's magnificent. It is potentially, you know, a a path forward for the rest of us, for all the rest of our lives. I mean, I think it is like the essence of everything right here. And I'm so grateful that you found it and that you shared it and that we can share it with others, because I do think, you know, we all have different variations of, uh, or percentages that we would say if we rated ourselves, you know, I'm I'm living this much in the past, I'm Mm -hmm. living this much in the future, and I'm living this much in the present. And the further we can get to 100% in the present, the closer we're going to be. For me, I never live in the past. I like can't even remember what happened, you know, 35 minutes ago. (laughs) But I am 100% either in the present or in the future. And I'm more in the future than I'm in the present. And I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of holding ourselves individually accountable. And if you're juggling, like you said, like when you're on stage, if you're like literally juggling, you look at a juggler, they are 100% living in the present because they've got something they're trying to execute at that moment. And I think the idea of saying to ourselves, how did I do today? How did I do? How much of my day did I actually spend in the present versus being in the past or the future? And how do I move that number forward tomorrow to be closer to 100%? That is a life um, a life goal right there. It's very aspirational. I love it. I think it's, a, it's 100% on point and uh, very – I'm going to frame it and put it on my desk well, at the end of the day. Just remember, that wasn't, that wasn't Brand's quote. That was loud. No, know, so, well, just, you know – he, he, he did find it. it. He did. Finders keepers, Jim. Yes, you get credit for that. This actually, between the two, between the quote and your point, it actually just reminded me of uh, James Corden, who's the um, obviously the host of the Late Late Show. He just had an yeah. interview that I heard. He's hilarious, right? He actually said this is the secret to life for him, that the only thing that's actually real in his world is the present. That you wow. can't you, you can't guarantee or really do anything about the future. Although you said, yeah, you're living in the future. We're thinking about the the strategy or what comes next. He goes, there's too many variables. So I don't focus on the future. You obviously can't right. do anything about the past. The thing is over and done. So there's no use in really thinking about either of those to be truly present and, and enjoy the here and now. And you can do that in business and in life. That for him was the secret to life. So it echoes exactly what you're saying, except you do. I, I know in your world, you do have to think about the future and how you can anticipate things. But but I think, you know, the the philosophical reality of, of this 
concept, though, you know, you're going to be more effective in the future if you're actually executing in the present, too, you know. And so the present is not like you're not thinking about tomorrow or the next 10 years, in my case, you know, 10 years from now in the industry and all that. But it really is, you know, the, the anxiety that comes with spending too much time there. Yeah. Versus the peace that can come with spending more time in the present. So it's probably 100% is probably not the right goal, actually, you know, for the present, because like, you know, that's more of, uh, you know, ignorant lifestyle probably but 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 having said that i do think you know we would all be more peaceful if we could increase our baseline in the present and that will be my uh my takeaway as well well Well, i think organizationally speaking jim this goes to sort of what you've been preaching for years now which is you know companies who live in the past and they want to talk about their culture in the past. That's not Mm -hmm. culture. That's heritage, right? If I, if I've listened to you talk once, I've heard you a hundred times. So I know that that's heritage. And if you are focusing solely on heritage, you're actually not creating the culture of the present, right? Right. Exactly. And every time somebody new joins the team, every time there's a switch of some kind, the culture is changing and you can't look at what you did yesterday, last week, what made you successful last year or 10 years ago. You know, if that was the case, Woolworth would still be here today, right? (laughs) Right, Um, right. So, so you have to look at the present now, the culture now, um, with, with an eye towards the future, but you're not, you can't live there either. Right. And I know, especially in a performance driven culture, right. Where, where, where you've got people on quotas or deadlines or something like that. They are so worried about not hitting if gosh, you know, if I, it's, it's a three strikes or you're out rule here at this company. And if I miss my quota three months out of the year, then I'm going to get put on, uh, you know, some sort of a plan, uh, to get to look at my job. And it's like, they start worrying so much about what could happen next, you know, six months from now or next year, or I only have three strikes and I don't, instead of just focusing on what they can do now in this moment to make the best of it and be successful in the present. Gosh, I, I look at this and say, you know, if you're anxious, you're living in the future as someone who has suffered with anxiety for, for a few <laughs> years now. Um, for, uh, it's true. It's because I'm trying to forecast something, a storm that, that never shows up in my life. And, yeah. and that sucks. Yeah. And then you're preparing for 19 different possibilities when only one is going to materialize. And it's probably the 20th that you're not preparing for. (laughs) Um, You know, I think there is, you know, anxiety is to me is a little, can be a little bit productive, you know, you have a little bit of it and to use it as a kind of an adrenaline piece to, to, to make sure that you're anticipating and, and preparing, but not, you don't want, so much anxiety that it's paralyzed. And I think, you know, if you're too much living in the future and you're too much projecting forward, all the possibilities of things that can go right and wrong, and you're spending too much time there, you literally truly are missing, you know, what's happening right in front of you. And I do think many times the magic is happening right there. Yeah. And, you're, and you might be missing it while you're thinking, you know, thinking about another point in time. So I, 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 I love this. Uh, I love this quote. And James Corden now, another modern day philosopher. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love this could be Don's second thought that rocks, which is anxiety can be productive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm a living, I'm a living example yeah, of it. the truth. For an, N, for an N of one anyway. That is the We're going to put that on a t-shirt. That's right. I love it. <laughs> one, one of the, uh, one of the other things that I mentioned during my sessions, if I've got the time to do it, I love talking about being ever present. I use the example of West side story, you know, the, the way that they shot the scene where Tony sees Maria for the very first time in the dance, everything else is blurry. 
but she's the only thing in focus. And I think in life, I used to do this as a manager. I mean, the place could be burning down around me. It's on a Saturday night. It's crazy. Someone's running up because I've got an issue, but I'm in the middle of talking to a guest. At that moment, everybody gets the hand. You know, everybody gets staved off because you're at that moment fully present with the guest or the customer. And I think we get credit for that. And, and it reminds me of, you know, whenever I go and, and get a chance to hang out with one of my daughters, my phone is rarely out. I, I, I rarely bring that thing out. Is the thing blowing up? Is it buzzing all the time? I even get phone calls that I know are probably pretty important at some point to return, but I'm, I'm living in her present. And I feel like that's, you know, it's more fulfilling for me for sure. But She's also, as the Foo Fighters would say, she's going to get the best of me. Mm. And so I think we do get credit personally, professionally, in just being present. Again, I think you got to have the eye a little bit on the future. But, you know, again, I also love this quote. And I think it, it ties right back to, you know, you as the juggler and trying to figure out what are those important things. And at that moment, maybe you need to be fully present with somebody to be able to get the best out of them. Well, if you're taking your eyes off of what you're actually juggling and you're worried looking towards the future or looking towards the past, who knows where these things end up, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a very nice ad right there. I like that a lot. That's exactly, that brings the two together. Actually, that's a really, that's a very good one. I'm retired. Because you cannot take your eyes off. Don, I am retiring from this this podcast. This is it for me. I'm walking, I'm dropping a mic and I'm walking off this set. Don Sweeney has said, Two incredible well things to me. Jim, you know, I don't know if I'd call it life-changing. <laughs> no, it's probably more, <laughs> mine are more practical and tactical, you're, but yours are life-changing. You're more practical and tactical. I live in life change is where I'm at. So thank oh. you for that, Don. Thank you, Don. You, I can't, you, you I won't changed, be able to get him off the ceiling. you changed my life as well. <laughs> you changed my life today as well. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's going on my website, Don Sweeney saying I changed her life. Yes. Mine was good. Yours was practical, tactical, yes. not bad. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh. Don, we can't thank you enough for for this. I know you've got um, some some pretty interesting times ahead of you. I, I, you know, everybody probably knows at this point. You certainly announced it at the NRA show this uh, this May, but you're retiring at the end of 2019. What is is this a true retirement, or are you moving on to something new? Is there something that you can announce here? I have uh, no particular announcement other than to oh. say that I hate the word ret- retirement, and I don't think anybody really likes it. And I, I worked at AARP, which focused on retirement, and the whole time I worked there for 10 years, I was trying to come up with a better word than retirement. I never did, so Uh-oh. here I am using retirement, but it's not a good word to describe what I anticipate to do next, which I actually don't even know what it's going to be other really? than uh, I really have so many interests in so many areas that I want to impact and both humanitarian circles and business community, and I just have a ton of things that I've learned in my time, particularly in the last 12 years at the National Restaurant Association, about the importance of uh, opportunity and uh, growth and career and workforce, and I just have a lot of interest in a lot of areas that I want to contribute, and so I'm anxious to to consider all those things, but uh, primarily at least the first a uh, couple of months, I'm going to just take some time off and uh, catch up Good with myself you. and catch up with my uh, with my husband of 25 years uh-huh. um, and our son who's in junior in college and just kind of re I've got all those glass balls well intact as far as I can tell, um, but I'm just going to take a little bit of time off and and just uh, kind of reconceptualize what the next 10 years might be for for myself. But I'm uh, very excited about the future of the restaurant industry, the Restaurant Association. We're working on our 2020 to 2024 strategic plan, which we hope to have done by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the process of 
uh, with the search committee uh, fully engaged, working, they are working to uh, uh, to make the decision about who the next CEO will be. So it's yeah. a very exciting time for the organization. Well, Don, I want you to think about this. Thoughts that Here rock we go. field reporter, Don Sweeney. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I like it. I think she Sounds would be. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> she would be perfect. I Sounds actually, like a lot of fun. <laughs> actually, podcasts might be in your future. I mean, it's such a, it oh. is fun, but uh, you're reaching a lot of people. And uh, again, you, you have represented us so well, and uh, we're, we're wishing you continued success in whatever it is you're going to do. But uh, thank you for just spending a half an hour with us, but for really all that you've done for, uh, for, for this great, this great industry that uh, I've been lucky enough to work in. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you today and particularly grateful for all the work that you do and continue to do uh, to advance our leadership capacity, all of us uh, across the industry and beyond. So uh, infinity and beyond, perhaps. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> I think she was talking to me, Brian. Yeah, I think one. maybe. <laughs> that, well, that one was mine. You know, typically, Don, when we do when we do our talks at associations and we, we feature the association CEO, um, most of their members uh, uh, end up subscribing to the podcast. So yeah. uh, we're expecting what? 15 million Big things from oh, you. 15 you million <laughs> or so. We should be the number one podcast on the planet yes. after this episode airs. I can't wait. And if wait. it's not, we know, we know who we're going to blame. Apparently that'll be my fault. So, uh, or James Corden. Uh, one of the we're going to blame James, <laughs> James Corden. Corden. We I'll are. Go, let's go with that. <laughs> we're let's definitely that. that Lao Tzu guy. <laughs> That's who we're blaming. Lao Tzu. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid that quote. Well, thank you so much. And listen, we, we look forward to following Pleasure. your journey. You're absolutely phenomenal. We'll talk Terrific. to you soon. Thank you both. Thanks, Don. Okay. Rock care. on. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on.